0: Seatbelt on. Sometimes it's just a bit abrupt. Teaching my daughter how to drive at the moment and it just felt like that. <laughs> just abrupt end, you know. That's okay. I can handle it. She's going to give me tons after this. <laughs> hey, thanks team. Appreciate you guys. Give them a hand. They're brilliant. Fantastic. Hey, um, this morning, well, lots of things happening, but our children are with us this morning. There's no children's church. Uh, So we love our children being in here. Usually they're in their own children's church service at the back, but this morning they're with us, which is brilliant. Um, So I just wanted to, you can follow along my message. I have a worksheet for all the children. You can grab it from Michelle up the back there. And uh, of course, there's always an incentive. There's a feroe frog if you get all the questions answered. So. And everybody runs back there now. So all the children are welcome. That's eleven and under. <laughs> Andrew, stop that. <laughs> um. So kids, it's not the, it's not this, that easy this week. You've got to actually answer questions on what's being shared this morning. So uh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Matthew, I just want to read a passage of Scripture to you. I want to talk about the uniqueness of Christ again. Uniqueness of Christ. and uh, Because this is the season of Christ's birth, and we want to look at that. Is there a beep, 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 beep going? Where is it? this thing not that how do you turn it off is that good brilliant was that it mark yeah mate you're very amazing amazing. yeah i know no wonder you married him marianne okay Matthew chapter 1, I want to read the passage, look at your own device or your own Bible. Um, we want to continue, I started a, a series, a two-part series last week about the uniqueness of Christ, I want to just complete that this morning and it's Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25, let me read it to you. Um, parents, if you need the parents room, it's there, please but make yourself available to that as well, if it's, it's there for you guys, so uh, use that. because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. The name Jesus means Saviour. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet um, in Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, he took Mary home as his wife. Um, he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Great story when um, uh, at the age of four, I was shared this story. this story would have been read to me, and while i don 't remember it being read to me, I can say with great confidence it would have been read to me because my kindergarten teacher actually loved to share the Christmas story at the end of the You know the uh, kindergarten year, I um, and uh, the reason that I know she loved to share the story was because she would get us children to actually portray the whole um, nativity scene in the in the you know baby in the manger the the uh, whole stable deal uh, and everything. And so there was there was some of us were wise men, some were shepherds. There was a Joseph, there was a Mary, there was a manger, there was the rest of the kindergarten were the choir because all the parents and grandparents and siblings would come and we'd sing Silent Night of the best we could do as four and probably four and five-year-olds. And the reason I can tell you in detail what happened because my mother took a picture of it and I haven't got the picture this morning because I couldn't find it which is a shame but it's a classic picture because I was Joseph. And I was standing there on the right of Mary, and uh, I had this um, headdress on, you know, uh, Eastern kind of culture dress with a, with a um, you know, a gown on, but it was, you know, what they wore. And uh, I really um, was a bit, I suppose as a four-year-old, I was a bit naive to the whole thing. I just did what I was told, stand there, look like Joseph. I mean, what does Joseph, how does Joseph look look like? I don't know. But um, then there was uh, Mary, of course, beside me, and then there was a little manger, and there was a, a doll in the, in the manger, or in the feed trough. And so that story, this story that I read to you today would have been told to me probably many times, um, many, many, many times. The reality is I didn't understand this story. I couldn't as a four-year-old. I'm glad that our kindergarten teacher got us to act out the whole thing, because I think it put something in my heart about my now belief and faith in God but the reality is I didn't understand it as a four-year-old but you know at the age of 13 I read the story again and I read through the Bible and I actually committed my life to Christ and finally I understood it but in reading it I, I had to come to some conclusions this story that it is a bit weird and strange and the reason that it's a weird and strange story is is I mean you look at it um, Mary conceived in a very unconventional way And it says through the Holy Spirit, ladies, no one has had that experience, but Mary did. Um, And then Joseph, of course, finding out that she was pregnant, um, you know, wanted to do the honourable thing and just kind of dismiss their engagement and kind of privately just break it off because he's thinking she's pregnant and certainly don't look at me. And, you know, he's wondering what the story is and so he's he's not understanding it. But the weird thing was, a strange thing, an angel comes along and in a dream uh, speaks to Joseph and says, you know, you've got to take Mary as your wife. And if that wasn't enough, the angel actually um, gave him the, you know, told him the, um, it'll be a male. You know, no ultrasounds in those days, but Joseph knew exactly what sex the baby was going to be. And not only that, the angel told him the name of the child will call him Jesus. And then when we just got used to the name Jesus, they actually called have a second name for Jesus and they called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this baby gets two names, which is it, Jesus, Emmanuel? Well, it's both. One means Savior, Jesus, and the other means God with us. So those weren't strange enough. Um, And then um, uh, we see these, these weird events and then there's a star in the sky and then there's these wise men that turned up and then there's these shepherds who turned up and... And, uh, you know, they came with gold and frankincense and myrrh, all these strange events and weird. But, you know, as I've come to understand the story now, I realize it's not strange or weird so much as incredibly unique. The birth of Jesus was exclusive. No one was born like Jesus was born. Um, it, it was exceptional. It was exceptional. And so um, we talked about that. We mentioned that last week. But... And we just talked about it at some points. I'll just quickly recap those thoughts that we had. And for those, of course, that weren't here last Sunday morning, I want to just make sure you catch it. But, you know, Jesus' coming was pre-announced like no one else in history. And it just wasn't by nine months. It just wasn't someone putting an ad in the paper, Mary and Joseph having a baby. It wasn't that. I'm talking about like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. It was prophetically announced. And it says in Isaiah 7.14, which we read from Matthew because Matthew was quoting this guy, Isaiah, and he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and uh, give birth to a son and they'll call him, what was the name? Emmanuel. Um, Israel wrote that literally hundreds of years before Christ, talking about uh, the birth of a person through a virgin. How does that happen? That's a miracle, isn't it? And so we see that throughout um, those early hundreds of years before Christ's birth, people like Plato, 400 years before Christ, Socrates, 500 years before Christ, Both those men, they're not recorded in the Bible, but historically, they're recorded in documentation. They talked about a universal king that was yet to come. And time after time, we see people proclaim, minor prophets, Micah, talked about the birth of a a, a king that was yet to come. That's a little Bible, um, Old Testament um, book in the Old Testament, Micah. So, the strength, my, my faith this morning has a lot more strength because of that fact. And I'll tell you why. It's because the reality is, um, if if my God, if God can organize the birth of His Son so well, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if He can organize that so well before it actually happens, can't He continue to help me in the uncertainties that I face on a daily basis? Can't my God look after me? Can't our God look after you this morning? He certainly can. And that we don't this morning, we don't serve a myth, a myth this morning. and There's no mythology about it. The reality is Jesus was a real historical person. And He did what He, he came, for what he know, His Father asked Him to do, and He said what He did, and He did what He said. The, other, the second thing that we talked about was this, about the uniqueness and the birth of Christ is that Jesus' birth split time in two. We all know about B.C., before Christ, and A.D., which is Latin for, um, in the year of my Lord. And that was basically after the birth of Christ. And um, it's interesting because, as I uh, mentioned, in 1963 I was born, but I was born 1,963 years after Christ, after Christ. Your birth date is that many years after Christ. And so every time that you have a birthday or you share your birth date or your birth year, it's a, it, it, it kind of indicates it's a testimony to the reality of Christ. Did you realize that? Your birthday is, a, is an indication, is a testimony to His existence. And so the third thing we talked about um, is that Jesus really lived His life backwards. Because in Revelation 13.8, it says, the Lamb who was slain from the re- uh, creation of the world. Now, what do I mean by living His life backwards? Well, the truth is that he, Jesus understood and agreed, before He was even born, that He would die, 33 years later. So, He understood the reality that He, he, he knew His future, how it was planned. Um, he was born, because it says he was the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, Jesus even knew from, cre- from the time of the beginning of the earth that he, one day he would come to earth and he would live as a child and grow up as a man and die and then rise again. He knew that. And so we see that the major, as I said, is overshadowed by the cross. Overshadowed by the cross. Matthew chapter 121 says this she, talking about Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. The word Jesus actually means saviour. So even from his birth, um, the angel spoke to Mary and said, you know what? You're going you're to give birth to a, a little boy and he's destined to die. But it's okay. It's for a purpose, a great purpose. So he lived his life backwards because the cross overshadows the manger. And have you ever thought about uh, that without the cross, there's no reason for the manger? Uh, without, uh, if he was never going to die for humanity, there would never have to be a reason for his birth. But there was a reason, it's such a reality. So we get all excited about Christmas, but there was always a reason for his birth. So he'd live. He would show what got us what God's like and he'd then die because his birth was all about his death. That's strange, isn't it? I'm glad that when you and I were born, that the doctor say, oh, well, it's just another one that's going to die? <laughs> I'm just glad that was never... But, you know, the reality is we all have a use-by date, don't we? This physical body, I'm not talking about our spiritual soul, is a destiny in heaven if we receive Jesus, of course, but reality is this body has a use-by date. And Jesus' body had a use-by date. It was just very pre- premature that he, he, he was murdered at the age of around 33, of course. So, he was unique. And, and his strange birth, the un, weird, what we can call weird about his birth, and all the events that happened around his birth, make more sense in the light of his knowing and his willingness to die for humanity. His birth makes it, under, we understand it. So, here we go. Number four this morning. This is new ground. Uh, now, this bit. He had an eternal prehistory. Now, I've kind of intimated that already. This is, uh, um, what I'm really meaning is Jesus had a backstory, or Jesus had a pre-story to his, um, to his life. He had a past. He, he had, a past. Um, he had from his, from his, if we go from his death, he had 33 years of life on this earth. Didn't travel more than 165 kilometers away from the place where he was born. He was very much in that whole area of, um, around the... Uh, Lake of Galilee and Capernaum in in Israel, um, you know, in Jerusalem. Uh, so, he, but he had a story. He also had a story before he was born. From we go from his birth right back to creation. There's a whole. He had a whole generation of family, genealogy, and then from creation before he was with God. So there's a there's a story. We all have a story this morning. Every one of us have a story. You could and and your story of your past is. Uh, kind of um, makes you who you are today. You know that. Uh, Who you are today, partly determined by what's happened in your past, good and bad. My story, uh, gee, if I gave it to you in 30 seconds flat, really simple. Born on a farm outside of Gympie. Grew up in Uh, Gympie. Moved into Gympie at the age of four. Um, Went to school there to grade four. Moved to Gladstone in grade four uh, because my parents came to work here. Um, at the age of I was n- ten at the time. At thirteen, I came and I committed my life to Jesus. And before I was thirteen, I was one of the shyest people you'd ever meet. In actual fact, my pe- my mum said as a little boy I'd hide under a skirt. I was so shy, just shy. I think it was because I grew up on a farm and the only people I talked to were kind of like animals. So you know, and that wasn't my sisters. They were pretty. They weren't animals. <laughs> but. I think as a four-year-old, I just grew up on this farm and life was pretty simple and no one to talk to, so I mean, I had to grow up. When I came to Gladstone at the age of 13, I say that to say this, when Christ came into my life and baptized in the Holy Spirit, I tell you, a dramatic change in my life, dramatic change because of Christ, just His influence in my life. Now, Now, not all of us experience dramatic, but we all experience some element of change, of course. So, um, and then, um, now I am where I am today. So, that's my story, what's your story? It's, it's still being written, to be honest. Jesus's story um, was pretty amazing, to be honest. It's, it says in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, we'll get a bit of a glimpse of his story. His was incredible, because we all have a past that gives us insight to who we are today, and it was the same with Jesus. It says, in the beginning in John chapter 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Far out. Before He was called Jesus, He was called the Word. Because He didn't have flesh on in those days. It's just when He came to earth, and He came as a baby, He put flesh on, like you and me... And then they called him Jesus. But before he was Jesus, he was that word. Okay? And it says, in the beginning was that word. In the beginning, in actual fact, was Jesus. It's just that they didn't call him Jesus in those days. So it's interesting. He lived from the beginning. If, um, if you were to sit down with Jesus when he was on the face of the earth here and lived for those 33 years and had a conversation, and you could have asked him the question, hey, Jesus, where are you from? You know what he would have said? Um, I'm from the beginning i'm from gimpy jesus was from the beginning there's a difference and you'd say um what do you mean well he said you know you know when they say everything was being made i was there in actual fact he would have said i was not only there but i was making it that's quite amazing See, Jesus' story goes back to eternity before history began. You remember in, um, in John chapter 5.58, it's not up there, but it says, He said to the people, before Abraham was born, I am. I was there. And Abraham goes back a fair way in, in the early days after... You know, and yet he was there before that. So how amazing is it? The truth is, Jesus was there a long time. He's been around a long time. Sometimes we just kind of get locked into he's just here for thirty-three years. But no, it was a long time. He, his existence, um, because of his eternity, he was the. As I said, he was the Word. He wasn't called Christ. He came in flesh and blood. And Jesus, when they named him Jesus, it means savior. As I've already mentioned. But there was an express purpose why they called him Jesus, because Jesus means savior. If you're a savior, how can you be a savior if you don't save anything or anybody? And so his express purpose was dying for the sins of people. And for him to do that, he meant he had to become like us while still being God. He had to become like us. Uh, He identified with us. So this baby in the manger was unlike anyone who ever existed because he didn't begin to exist at conception. He didn't exist at conception because conception was just the, the time that he took on flesh and blood. He lived well before conception. That's a bit of a that's a spin out, isn't it? Jesus had another part of his history. So not only was there this history of um, his life on this earth, but there but there's an interesting part of his time before he was born because he had a genealogy like you and I do. We got a family tree. Jesus had a family tree. You might say, how could he have a family tree? because Joseph wasn't his um, biological father, but he did raise him, and Joseph and Mary's genealogy was an interesting past. Um, Some of us are well aware of this, but in Jesus's genealogy, there was a prostitute named Rahab. That's a great, uh, that's a skeleton in the cupboard, isn't it? And if that wasn't enough, there was another one called Tamar, that's another um, uh, skeleton. She was a prostitute as well. And if that wasn't enough, there was a lady called Ruth. Sorry, ladies, there were some pretty bad guys in Jesus' past as well. But there was another lady called Ruth who was a Moabite, who actually, their, their um, um, people group actually worshipped idols. But thankfully, Ruth came into the Jewish culture and uh, accepted God. That was a great Great thing, but so we see some 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 interesting things. There was a lady called Bathsheba. She committed adultery with the king David, uh, and while King David had a lot to be answered for in doing that, um, Bathsheba also kind of must have. You know, she just didn't feel like she went along with it. So there's all these are all um, these were all um, relatives of Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? And I thought about that, and the reality is. When you read Jesus' story back there, he had people who were with some really big blotches in their lives, would you agree? Pretty big blotches in their lives and it was far from the perfect family that Jesus came from. Um, This is Joseph's line. It, It probably would put some TV soap operas to shame today, some of the things that happened in Jesus' genealogy. You know, we all not only have a genealogy that sometimes we would rather forget, but we have a life sometimes that we also think there's some blotches in my life. Um, but the reality of what was happening here in Jesus' family line that was so dysfunctional, it kind of foretells the love that Jesus would have for people with blotches in their past. Don't you think? Um, Jesus said something incredible in Matthew 9, 12. He says, you know, I've come not for the well... The well people don't need a physician. I've come for the sick. Jesus says, I've come for the sick. He's come for the blotchy people. we are all got blotches, haven't we? Maybe that's the past now, and that's okay. We don't have to dwell on it. But, and you might say, well, who are the well? But I, I think a better question is, is that probably we've all got times and elements in our life when we haven't been well. I know I have. I know that I still work through things too. And I'm just glad... Uh, that I have a merciful and forgiving God. There's times of elements of sickness at different times, I think, for all of us. And Jesus had a love for people who have a past that isn't pretty. Why? Because even his own family had a past that wasn't pretty. They were full of blotchy type people. The Tamars and the Rahabs and the Bathshebas and all the problems and all the dysfunction that unfolded so Jesus delights in taking people with terrible paths and bringing them into his family I'm glad of that you know here's my fifth point this morning because number four uh, was he had an eternal prehistory number five is that Jesus was the only child whose mother resembled him think about it for a moment. Whenever we a child's born into our families, someone comes along and says, oh, they look like their mother, or they look like their father, or, you know, they just, oh, you look like your parents, or your grandparents, or your sister, or your brother. Always, there's always that comment. We always say that, you know? In actual fact, I always remember when when uh, our first child was born, um, Gabriel was born, everybody come up to her as a little, little girl. She's just walking around two or three. Oh, you look like your dad. And there's one thing she started to Try and get that concept in her mind. She, thought, she said to Michelle one day, "I don't want to grow up and look like that. I said, "Honey, it's okay. It's just kind of a—it's just a thought that people have at the moment. You have some features like me. You're not going to actually be like me." She was put at some element of ease after that, but she's still getting over that. It's okay. Um, but Jesus was different, you know. Jesus was born. And I could have said of Mary, you look like your son. And the truth is, why would that be so? Why would I say that? Well, Jesus created his mother, which made him incredibly unique. He created everything, didn't he? So he created Mary. Here's His verse in John 1, 3. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Nothing was made. Jesus was there at the beginning. He was there. He not only was there with God. It creation he was making it as well what an incredible thought as mary held jesus in her arms for the first time remember that first christmas night well you can't because you weren't there but you know there's pictures artist impression mary was looking at her creator i don't know if she realized it right at that moment she's looking at she's looking at her creator the god who made her what an amazing thought. She held her creator and savior in her arms. Wow. How amazing to think that the one who made the son, that's Jesus, needed the warmth of his mother's arms. And, and you know, and the swaddling clothes, or you know, swaddling. What does swaddling mean anyway? Far out. I mean, I think it means nice, soft little, you know, something. How amazing, listen to this, how amazing was the one he was the living words, that's Jesus, and all and all its principles and, and thoughts and and all that he has for us, and yet he was living in Bethlehem because of a human law. He was the living law. He was, he was there in Bethlehem because of a human law to go and register in a census. And that's why Mary and Joseph first came to Bethlehem and Jesus was born at that time. How amazing the one who was clothed, who clothed the grass and the flowers of the field, made himself naked, um, though he was wrapped in a blanket made himself naked, and yet he clothed what we see today, creation. How amazing the one whose hand fashioned the planets was too tiny to reach out and just touch the animals that are around him in that stable that night. How amazing, how amazing is that? And you know what? It was salvation in a manger, salvation in a feed trough. God, <laughs> God, um, and God where you would least expect him to be. In a, you know, in a downstairs, stable area of a house, sitting in a feed trough with a heap of animals uh, and his mother and father there. Some people, you know, can grasp, sorry, can't grasp the fact that God would do that for us, it would come down. Um, Some people grapple with the fact that God would do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Uh, People struggle with that thought because why do I need god to do for me what i think i can look after myself and you know generally we do have to look after ourselves physically uh, we've got things that we need to do to look after our um, emotional lives but the reality is jesus did something for us that none of us can do and let's give us life uh, through forgiveness of sins jesus um i can you know we can say sometimes i can sort out my own life um you know, when the wise men came to see Jesus, Matthew wrote this gospel. And Matthew said they bowed and they worshiped Jesus. So they stooped down to worship him and to meet him and to hold his small hand. Uh, and then we still, you know, what I find today is we still need today to bow. Not, not maybe literally by our knee, but our hearts to bow to our Savior, um, to humble ourselves um to meet him and if we refuse to bend or bow or humble ourselves it's impossible to meet jesus christ i want to be honest with you no no maybes you just can't you, you won't know him unless you bow your heart to jesus you've got to check your ego and your pride at the door folks to know jesus christ yeah it just is um but if you're willing to humble yourself it's amazing how big your life becomes it's amazing Because Jesus, because the Word of God says He will exalt the humble, He'll lift up the humble. And not that we look for that, but it's amazing how big your life becomes when you're humble. Some people think humility is weakness, just like meekness is weak. No, it's not. It's strength. When we bow our heart, just, you know, there's two groups of people who came to meet Jesus. As I said, the wise men and the shepherds. And I love this thought. Two things I loved about the shepherds and the wise men. The shepherds knew they didn't know anything. And the wise men knew they didn't know everything. And because of that attitude, they knelt at the feet of Jesus. They knelt at that feed trough and humbled themselves before him. Um, because of the attitude. This amazing truth is when we humble ourselves to find Jesus, uh, it's amazing what he can do in and through our lives. And Jesus actually said this, if you lose your life, you'll find it. In other words, if you give over those things that you really don't need anyway in your life that just really cause pain and hurt. He says, you'll really find life. You'll find peace and joy and purpose and life itself and blessing. Humility says uh, it's saying that he is God and I am not. <laughs> because, you know, constantly my flesh wants to put me on the throne of my life and say, I'm God, I don't literally say that, but that's what's happening, I just want to put me there on the throne of my life, you know, and for seasons it feels nice, we feed the flesh, we pamper to it, we like all those things, but you know, in the end, it's got to hop off the throne, you've got to die to self and put Christ there, and when you put Christ there, life gets so much better and so much bigger, you know, and uh, that would be the prayer I think God still has for us today, through His Son, Jesus, so instead of being proud and refusing to bend to Jesus, we can say, I'll bow and acknowledge who He is. Who He is. Amen. You know, I just want to invite the museums to come back this morning as we close the service. I, 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 I just think of the, the, the whole story of Jesus, and it's incredibly unique. And it's unique for those reasons. It's because He split time your, your birthday is a testimony to his existence. He had a prehistory, he had an amazing story. And even though his, his family line was fairly blotchy, I think it's a great testimony that he loves people. He actually came for the sick and not for the well. Um, so I just, I, I, I just want us to contemplate that this Christmas because we can fly through Christmas and we can say, well, it's another time. You know, and I'll have Christmas Day and enjoy my family and enjoy food and it'll be brilliant. But Christ came and He paid an incredible sacrifice. He, he was the Word and then He became Jesus. He lived, He died. They murdered Him but He willingly allowed that to happen so we could be forgiven. He was called the Lamb of God, wasn't He? You might say, why the Lamb of God? What a weird name. But the truth is, the Jewish nation had constantly sacrificed lambs for the forgiveness of sins for hundreds of years. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm the one and I'm the last lamb. You don't have to sacrifice anymore. I'm going to be that one and only sacrifice once and for all. I'm going to be that. And that was Jesus. So can we stand this morning?